Good morning and welcome to chapel. We often find conflicting ideas about how we, might, how we ought to act in our society. We might hear things like, be an individual, but don't be selfish. Challenge the system, but respect authority. Be content with yourself, but always strive to be better. Use your iPads, but not in chapel. <laughs> and yet, nothing, not even the current Super Bowl lineup can separate us from the love of God. As we light the Christ lamp, let us recall that there is hope amidst our struggles, confusions, and interpersonal conflicts. The Spirit of Christ is now alive and among us. There was a light that shines, and the darkness cannot put it out. Let us pray. God, we welcome your presence among us this morning. May our worship together be pleasing to you and enriching for all. Amen. And now, I invite you to rise and begin in our time of worship by passing the peace. Next we'll sing in the blue hymnal 526, in the rifted rock I'm resting. 526 in the blue hymnal. Yeah. 
Next, in the green book, 107, God Remembers Pain. 107 in the green. And the instrumentalists will play through it once. Feel free to hum along to learn your part. Another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are not thinking that they are something, they deceive themselves. All, All must test, test their, their own, own work. work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. For our struggle is not against our enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in these heavenly places. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we, we are, are the, the Lord's. Lord's. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, 
nor anything else in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hello. Our speaker today, uh, she was born and raised in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. She graduated from Eastern Mennonite University and then received her master's from Georgetown University. And then in 2011, she received her PhD in transformative studies from the California Institute of Integral Studies. Her concentration has been on intercultural communication and her research has especially focused on the oral histories of women of color. And then she likes to share these stories from her research in the play Heavenly Voices. Our speaker is at Goshen College and she teaches courses in intercultural communications and public relations as well as other communications courses. So without further ado, please welcome our lovely Pat Lehman. Thank you, Karina. Good morning. I'm going to begin by sharing a little bit about the day I sat down to write this speech. As I sit down to write this speech, I realize that on this day, January 10, I am honestly feeling blue. It's been a hard week. Starting school amid snow and ice, admitting that I will never get everything done, which I need to do, and having just finished a joyful and sad holiday. What do we do when we need to both laugh and cry at the same time? By the way, you do have my permission to laugh or cry this morning. Let me return to my joyful and sad holiday. I have just seen the ultrasound of my beautiful five-month-old in utero granddaughter who is due in May. But I have seen it alone, as her grandfather and I are no longer together. So what I had long anticipated to be a unified family experience the birth of our first grandchild is now a broken one, even though being a grandmother promises to be one of the most awesome experiences of my life. And I am alone powerless to make this moment any different. It is the reality of the here and the now. Nor am I alone in this experience. Two close friends have known such moments too, either because of divorce or the death of a spouse. Another friend is struggling with saying goodbye to a spouse who is dying of stomach cancer. Yet another friend from long ago is walking a journey with her spouse who is dying slowly of a brain tumor. The world is simply more often awry and turned upside down rather than sunny side up with possibilities. So where do we turn at these moments? What meaning does our faith have in the crucible of life when events and relationships slowly turn or quickly spin out of our control? 
My mother, who has been my model of faith and life, used to tell me often, God knows the end from the beginning. End, beginning, opposites. So perhaps it should be no surprise to me that lately in my faith journey, I have turned to the words of the Apostle Paul, who loves opposites. And I admit, there are times I don't even like him. Nevertheless, I have found that he understands well life's dialectics, life's contradictory opposites, which sometimes are not as opposite as they seem. In the field of intercultural communication, some scholars discuss these dialectical tensions. Stella Ting Tumi and Leva C. Chung note that dialectical tensions are conflicts that come from two opposing forces that exist at the same time. So I guess we have to expect the unexpected in life. <laughs> so tell me, what are the real or apparent contradictions conflicts from two opposing forces that exist at the same time that I have found on life's pathway. Contradictions embraced by Paul's letters. Today, I invite you to look at five of Paul's dialectics with me. Galatians 6, 2 through 5. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if someone thinks herself to be something when she's nothing, she deceives herself. But let everyone prove his own work, and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For everyone shall bear, her, pardon me, her own burdens. Really? Everyone is to bear her own burden, and yet we are to bear one another's burdens. Yet, I found this dialectic to be true on my own faith journey. I have listened to some of you who have unwisely borne the burden of another student who asks to use your paper as a resource. Later, when the giver and the user are confronted with plagiarism, the truth of this dialectic is revealed. But Paul gives me reason to bear another's burden, and he's not suggesting plagiarism. He adds, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If I am fulfilling the law of Christ, then I realize that the burden I am carrying becomes a blessing to me, perhaps a fruit of the Spirit, as I with love, joy, and peace 
carry a burden which someone else cannot bear. I listen to the wrenching story of another friend's loss, and in the listening, I help to bear her burden. Telling my own story of loss helps my friend to bear her loss. And so we bear each other's burdens, and somehow, synergistically, each burden is lightened. A second dialectic. Flesh and blood versus principalities and powers. In Ephesians 6.12, Paul writes, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I will share the story of a night in the midst of my divorce process when I was praying alone in my room. Suddenly, I became aware that evil forces were present, that the devil was actively there, working against the well-being of my family. Now, was this simply the imagination of an overwrought woman caught in a situation where she didn't know what to do? Whatever you choose to think, I know it was real. I felt the presence of principalities and powers working against my flesh and blood family. I only knew one thing to do, call out the name of Jesus, and I did. I called out the name of Jesus multiple times before I felt that force of evil leave the room and I came to a point of peace within, no matter what would happen. A third dialectic, true hope and what we see. Romans 8:24. for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what someone sees, why do they yet hope for? I love this dialectic. Hope isn't hope if we can see it. Paul gives us here permission to pray and dream for a life that is better, for a broken world that yet might become whole, for peace where there is now violence. It is hope that saves us or keeps us going when the moment really does seem hopeless. And because we cannot know the results of our hope, only that it is future and yet unseen, we simply need to trust in the promises of God, who not only holds the past in her hand, but the future. God's promises are, are real and concrete. They can be spoken and held in our hands. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future 
and a hope. Jeremiah 29:11. We can pray and dream a better future than we can even imagine, knowing that it is God who promises that our hopes will be fulfilled according to God's will. For five years, I prayed for some measure of healing in a difficult relationship. This past year, that hope came true in a way that I could never have predicted. So I wonder sometimes, what else that I hope for might yet come to pass? I have found that God gives us permission to hope and pray far outside the box. That very act saves us in some ways we might not anticipate. The fourth dialectic, living or dying, Romans 14, 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. I was lying in a hospital bed just across the street a little over a year ago when I first really began to understand this tension, this dialectic. My son had just called me from California and his voice held all the emotions of this contradiction when he said, Mom. His sister had called him to tell him what had happened, and he needed to hear my voice. That morning had been an unusual one. After coughing constantly for two days after returning from a car trip to and from a conference in Philadelphia, I had walked downstairs that morning and suddenly realized that I was going down. Unknown to me, my body slid into a corner of my kitchen between counter and wall, where, we were later to figure out, I had remained unconscious for 10 to 12 minutes. Alone in my home, I slowly became conscious, and I knew something bad was happening. And then I did the only wise thing I knew to do. I called my daughter in Pennsylvania, (laughs) from where, of course, I expected her to save me. And I told her something was wrong. After talking with me for several minutes, Jen realized that indeed a crisis had occurred and we agreed that she would call my friend Ursula to come and take me to the hospital. By then I had managed to crawl to the refrigerator and pull myself up and then slowly walk to the front door and unlock it. Then I laid down on the sofa with Jen on the other end of my cell phone until Ursula arrived. Now, there's a really funny part to this story. When Ursula arrived, my cat Poe, as in Edgar Allan Poe, decided that Ursula was the enemy, 
something she often does decide about other people. And Poe began to growl and was crouched, ready to spring. And so getting to the ER was not easy, and that's its own story. But when I got to the ER after many tests and questions, the doctor told me I had pulmonary emboli, blood clots, one in each lung, and that I would need to be admitted. That was the moment when I realized I had almost died. So Theo's call from California was a significant one for me. I was strong enough to share with him what had happened, and we spoke together of the reality that I could have died that morning. Maybe some of you wish I had. <laughs> then I said to Theo, and the thing was, I did not even know that I felt so strongly about this until I spoke the words out loud. You know, Theo, I am okay. But even if I were not, God would still be present. All would still be well. It was my own time to acknowledge the reality. Whether I live or I die, I am the Lord's. Which brings me to the final dialectic from Paul, the one that I like to call nothing versus something. For I am persuaded, Paul writes, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 to 9. Now in verse 35, Paul mentions other things which cannot separate us from God. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. I am going to guess that each one of us here has experienced one or two of the somethings that Paul lists. Paul seems truly convinced that nothing, and then he lists all the somethings, can separate us from Christ's love. This truth gives me great hope and great joy. Two months after I nearly died, I went for an office visit with my pulmonologist. I asked him whether it was safe for me to travel to May term in Kenya, as my lungs were still healing from the blood clots. He looked at me and spoke a truth not so different from that of the Apostle Paul. You died that day, he told me. You are lucky to be alive. Do whatever you want. <laughs> and so in a very real way, 
I have learned that nothing I do or say or think or experience can come in the way of the dynamic knowledge that nothing, not even death, can separate me from Christ's love. I can live and die with that reality, with that dialectic, and quite honestly, I plan to. Thank you, Pat. So now we will enter into a time of reflecting on what Pat has had to say to us this morning. Um, you'll see there's a table up here with a bunch of really colorful note cards. Um, <laughs> and we would invite you to um, explore the own dialectics or tensions that you have in your life. So for example, writing on one side, one thought that you have, and then the opposite or a contradictory thought. And you can place them up here in this vase. And there will be music playing. Feel free to sing along. Thanks. One thing. 
thank you for this day and we thank you God for the opportunity that you've given us to be here and the word that you've given to Pat to share with us Father and we lift up Father these dialectical tensions Father that you've put in our lives and that we would turn to you God in this time to help us to deal with these things and to help us to know that in death in life no matter what one thing remains the most important thing and that's your love that when everything else fades away your love always remains and it's the best thing that we could ask for and we just give you glory and praise 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go in peace this morning.